1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I want to bring a special message for the dads today. And uh, let's see what this text has to say. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you that it was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before as we, uh, and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth the hearts. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others. But when we might, or when we might have been burdensome, as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. As you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, help us to see how the Apostle Paul worked and, and served and ministered as a father. And, Lord, please help us to see what our role is. And, uh, Lord, encourage us and help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Third John chapter, or Third John 1, verse 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. There's nothing greater than for a dad to know that his kids are serving God. It's just, it's just so wonderful when your kids come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, and they're living for the Lord. There's nothing better than that. First thing I want to tell you about this morning is my dream. My dream. My dream for my children, first of all, that they'll be saved. They have been. To know that they're loved and accepted. But I also want my kids to know that their father loves God. I want them to know that their father loves their mother unconditionally. That... Their father forgives their mother before an offense ever happens. I want them to know that that their mom and dad, my dream is that my children know that their mom and dad know God. And that what what we live at home is the same thing that we speak in public. That's my dream for my kids. My dream is that they'll grow up knowing God. I pray that every night with them. Every night we pray with our kids and and I I ask God this, Lord, please help them to grow up to know you and serve you and love you. That's my dream for my children. My dream is that they'll have self-control, that they'll know how to work, that they'll understand the priority of the Lord's house. It's my dream that they'll live in a free country. It's my dream that they'll have the opportunity to become whatever it is that God wants them to be. It's my dream that they'll understand the importance of little things. That if the Lord doesn't return, 
before they have a chance that they'll marry godly spouses. And that because of the way that Laura and I have behaved ourselves in the home, that my kids will know what to look for in a mom, and, or that my, my son will know what to look for in a wife, and that my daughter will know what to look for in a husband. I tell her she's not allowed to marry anybody that has smaller muscles than me. And some of you are thinking, well, she's got a wide pool. <laughs> you know, I just want my kids, my dream is for my kids to know God and to grow up in a home where, where our faith in the Lord is not just something we talk about on Sunday, but it's such a reality that when they see struggles, that they know where we go to get the answers. That's, that's my dream. So my dream is for my kids to serve the Lord, but I have a fear. A fear. And in the Bible, there's a concept of grieving before. It's a godly fear. And that is to look down the road and see what could happen and for me to actually grieve over that ahead of time so that I can realize the pain that could come if I don't do things right now. My fear, my fear is that they'll not know how important they are to me. Man, I want them to know that beyond the Lord and their mom, they mean everything to me. Uh, a fear that I have is that they might resent the ministry because of my schedule. I, I, I have a great fear right now that they won't understand freedom the way that we have. Sometimes I fear that they'll look at the way other Christians live and become discouraged. But one of my great fears is that they won't respect my Christianity. Man, I, and here's the deal, dads. We're not talking about taking this weight and putting it on our backs. But what we are talking about is looking down the road and realizing that the little choices that we're making right now will impact the way that our children see and live and behave and make decisions and respond to adversity down the road. It's... That's my fear. So because of my dream and my fear, I have a pledge. In order for me to see my dreams realized and my fears dissuaded, there are some things that I need to do. I need to set a pattern in the home. And the Apostle Paul has given us that pattern right here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. The first pattern is a pattern of responsibility. Look at verse 9. A pattern of responsibility. Verse 9. For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail. For we, laboring night and day because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. So here's the pattern that dad is supposed to set. First thing is he provided. He provided. Now, the apostle Paul was not a physical father, but he was a spiritual father. And he's saying he's doing these things as a father. So for me, I need to model excellence in the home. The things that I do, I need to do those well. I need to work hard. I want my kids to grow up expecting, expecting a man to work like a man. Amen? It is an honorable thing to plow a field. It is an honorable thing to paint a car. It's an honorable thing to plant a garden. Uh, the uh, Divins, uh, are the Divins here? Today, they're probably down at the hospital. Allie Divins, her, her appendix burst this week. And she had a procedure yesterday to try and drain some of that out. And then 
a massive antibiotics, she's going to come home, and then she has to go back and get her appendix out. So they're down there. But uh, Josh, we were over at the Divins' house the other night. Has anyone seen the Divins' garden? If the big one comes and there's no food, I'm moving in next to the Divins'. <laughs> this garden, I got tired walking to the garden. And it, it is, it's unbelievable. You, you, you've got to see this thing. It is unreal. And you know what? I, I just, and here's what I thought as I was going, this is so much work. I told him, I said, when I see the work that you put into this, I, I just want to say one thing to you. I'm an author. <laughs> I write books. I was so embarrassed about my own labor at home when I saw what he was doing at his house. And that doesn't mean you've got to plant a big garden or whatever. But I'll tell you what, those Divins kids are going to grow up knowing what hard work is. It's an awesome thing. So my pledge to my kids before the Lord is they're going to see a dad that works hard. I was so glad that the uh, Arlings went on vacation and they asked me for some churches where they were going. And they went to a, a church friend of mine named Kevin Courtney. And uh, they said that Kevin's message was just tremendous, that it was like being home, you know. And Kevin preached so well. Man, that's awesome. This is a guy that I went to college with. We spent Thanksgiving in 1981 together. I've known him since 1981. And to see him serving the Lord and preaching the gospel but in an effective way. But that didn't happen by just getting up and talking. He had to do the work to get behind it. That is so awesome. They get to see that. That They get to see another church where the preacher believes the word of God, every word of it, opens up the word and preaches every word of it. That was a neat thing. I'm going to call Kevin and tell him what an encouragement that was that people from our church got to see another church doing things right. I love that. I want my kids to know how hard I'm going to work to make sure that you guys are fed in the word, that when your families are hurting, I want to try and be there and help you and love you. I want to be, I want them to see a godly man, but I also want them to see a godly man at home. So my pledge is I'm going to provide, but I'm also going to preach. Dads, your job is to provide, and you guys do such a great job. we got the hardest-working people I know at Grace Baptist Church. But you also have to preach to your kids the truth of who God is and what He means in your life. That's what Paul was. Look at what it says. Look at the verse, verse 9 again. If you remember, brethren, our labor and travail for laboring night and day because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, they worked for their living. But he says this, but uh, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. Dads, do you know for sure that your kids are saved? Now, I'm so glad that if you bring your kids to Grace Baptist Church, they're going to hear the gospel. They're going to hear it in Sunday school. They're going to hear it in junior church, toddler church. They're going to hear it in Awana. They're going to hear it in the church services here. Your kids will hear the gospel if you have them here at Grace Baptist Church. But they need to hear it at home too. And they need to hear it from dad. They need to know what dad believes and that it aligns with what he lives. It's a pattern of responsibility. Not only is it a pattern of responsibility, but it's a pattern of integrity. Look at verse 10. Ye are witnesses. You know that your children are witnesses of your life. They know you better than anyone else. How is it they end up walking just like you? It's not genetic. Ye are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably 
We have behaved ourselves among you that believe. Dad, I hope that's your testimony for your kids. I hope that's your testimony. You know, I remember Jacob, and every dad has experienced this. I'm walking through the snow, and what does he say? Dad, I'm walking in your steps. He's taking those big steps, trying to walk. Yes, to a two-year-old, my steps are big. (laughs) I'm taking... Can you picture Wade trying to walk in my steps? You know, looking <laughs> like this. He's walking in my steps. And you know what's going to happen is Jacob is going to walk in my steps. I want him to see a man that genuinely believes this book. Now, here's the deal. As I'm saying this, I'm reading this verse, I about start bawling because I hope that my life is a witness of the truth in the home. We looked at a verse this morning in our Sunday school class. Look, let's look at it right now because I think this is a good time. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. This is a really good time for us to do this. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Verse 10. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. Here's what we can do. You know, when I see a verse like that, you know, and I'm sure that when I'm talking about you living as a witness at home and living the gospel out and speaking it, dads, I'm sure that something has flashed into your mind that you've done that did not align with what you believe. Let's just testify. Dads, have any of you ever done something in the house that didn't align with what you believe. Yeah. Me too. So what do we do? I know. Let's stop talking about the gospel. Then we don't have to worry about it. Is that the answer? No. What's the answer? The answer is that this godly sorrow that comes when we hear these things, when I'm telling you these things, and the word of God. How many of you dads have already been a little convicted? I have as I'm reading it, right? What, that's That's godly. That's the Holy Spirit drawing us to see our shortcomings. But godly sorrow draws us to God so that we can repent. And remember what repentance is. Repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of action. So I change my mind about my behavior that that behavior is not acceptable. It's not okay. It doesn't happen because of my personality or my temperament. It happens because I'm a sinner. And I come to the Lord and I repent of that sin and confess it. He forgives me. And what happens? I get a new life. I get a new life, a new chance for my kids to see me do it better. And what's awesome? What is, what is, we talk about repetition is the key to learning. But the next greatest thing that a child can learn from is comparison. Imagine if they saw dad before repentance and then they saw dad after repentance. You see, godly sorrow leads to repentance and joy. Do you know what godly guilt, guilt that comes from God leads us to joy? Guilt that comes from Satan and from self leads to destruction. Dads, every one of you can be a great dad. Many of you are. That godly sorrow that comes when we're compared to the standard of the Apostle Paul who was following Jesus Christ. The sorrow that comes when we see our shortcomings is supposed to lead us to repentance and to do better. And you can do better through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can. Let's go back to 
1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're still in verse 10. It's a pattern of integrity. He says, You're witnesses, and God also. Imagine that. Not only are my kids watching my behavior, but God's watching it. And here's what they saw in Paul. How holily and justly and unblameably... What does it say there? We behaved. Have you ever told your kids, Will you just behave? Will you just behave? This is the way that we as dads are supposed to behave. The first thing is we're supposed to be holy. That idea of holiness is personal purity. And that word holy means to carefully fulfill the duties God gives to a person. Carefully. I need to care about how I speak and how I walk and how I talk. It's holy. It's holy. You know what the same word is applied to the character of God? How in the world can I be holy? The Bible says, be holy as God is holy. How can I do that? Only by walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Only by being aware of the Word of God and then choosing to walk that way in my home. So he was holy. But not only was he holy, he was just. He was just. This is personal integrity. His life demonstrated personal integrity. And there are so many examples that we could give of that. And that is just simply that you work hard. That you work hard. You know, it's interesting. If, if your dads, if your kids hear that you're calling in sick so that you can go fishing, does that demonstrate integrity? Now, it's okay to call in sick to play golf. It's not okay <laughs> to call in sick to go fishing. I'm just telling you, you are giving your children examples of how to not tell the truth of how to not tell the truth. I love the story of the preacher. He got up on a Sunday morning and it was beautiful out. So he called in sick and went and played golf. Can you imagine a preacher calling in sick to church so he could go play golf? I need to do that sometime. So he's out there, gets up on a par three, hits a hole in one. Angel looks at the Lord and says, why'd you do that? And the Lord said, who's he going to tell? <laughs> That's funny, isn't it? <laughs> Now, just so you know, that didn't really happen. That's just a story, okay? But, you know, can you imagine? You're teaching your children integrity. Integrity. Justice. So, the Apostle Paul was holy and he was just. And then it says unblameable. Unblameable. He lived unblameably. What is that? That you have your justly, that's your personal integrity at home. This, unblameably, is your public integrity. How do you live out? What do people know about your dad? As you are out there, what do people know about your children's father? Andy Joins talks about it. He was leaving church one day, or leaving school one day, and he was in his dad's pickup, and he lit up the tires as he was leaving school. And what people said to him, your father would not like you behaving that way. His father was known as a godly man. And didn't your father know about it before you got home? How'd that work out for you? <laughs> Not so good. Andy, how old were you when your dad died? So his dad died when he was 22 or 23. But he has the legacy of a man 
who publicly had integrity. And he did it home also. Amen? That's what we want to be for our sons. Then, so he was unblameably. He lived unblameably. His enemies might accuse him, but nobody could level any charge against Paul and prove it. And prove it. So that's, that's my pledge, but how am I going to accomplish this? My dream is for my kids to see that I'm a godly man. My fear is that they won't. My pledge is that I'm going to try to be holy and just and unblameable. That's what I want to do. So how am I going to accomplish that? It's great to have that, that desire, but how am I going to accomplish it? Well, let me tell you what my plan is. Look at what it says. Verse 11. As you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. So here's my, here's my plan. One man said, by exhorting, we are moved to do a thing willingly. By comforting, to do it joyfully. By charging, to do it carefully. So here's my plan. Here's how I'm going to do it. Paul exhorted, so I'm going to exhort. What does it mean to exhort? It means to urge earnestly, to advise strongly. See, what Paul's talking about here was Paul encouraged new believers. They were new believers. They needed help so that they wouldn't be discouraged. My children need to be encouraged that they can do a job well, that they can, that they can do it with a good attitude, that, and that there are benefits for working hard. That's something that dad needs to teach them. Amen? That's something that mom needs to teach them. It needs to be exhibited in the home. Uh, this is what a father does with his children. Because children are easily discouraged. Do you know what this means? The word exhort. Do you know what it means? It means to call alongside. So I'm watching Jacob and he's having a hard time. Jacob, come here. Come here. Hey, I know you're having a hard time with that. Don't worry, I did too. Let me show you how to do it. That's what exhorting is. It's not from over here. Hey, stupid! How come you're doing it like that? Don't you know how to do anything right? That wouldn't work. That's not good, is it? No. Exhorting, that's the way mom does it. I'm showing you the right way to do it. I call him alongside. And I say, you can do it better than that. Here, let me show you what you're supposed to do. Let me help you with that. We've done that before, haven't we? Let me help you with this. Let me show you a better way to do it. Thanks. Go ahead and sit down. The idea of exhorting is different than, than a detached teacher. It's a close, personal thing. Dads, there are things that you can teach your kids that nobody else can teach them because of your relationship with them. So that is exhorting. Um, then he comforted, he comforted. And it's interesting that this idea of comforting, we don't really understand what it is. It means to speak or to address, whether by way of admonition and incentive or to common console. It's to encourage. It's different than our understanding of comfort. Here's, here's sometimes the way that we would think of it. If my son's doing a lousy job on something, and I say, oh, that's okay, you're doing your best. That's not comforting, that's hurting. Encouraging is seeing the job that's not being done well, calling him alongside, here's the comfort. You can do it better. 
let me show you how you can do it better, how you can do it right. That's comforting. I don't want to raise a son that thinks that every lousy job is okay because he did his best. I saw this thing on the news the other day that they're giving partial credit on some of these national tests because they do the process right. This kid had a division problem, and I can't remember what it was. It was like, how many times does 10 go into 300? And his answer was 100. Or no, how many times does 30 go into 300? And his answer was 100. And he got partial credit for it because he realized he needed to use division. How many of you want him building your next bridge? Anybody? Building your next plane. That's not comforting. That's not comforting. That's not. That's destroying. Comforting is telling them they can do it and then helping them do it better. So, my plan is to exhort and to comfort and to charge. Look at what it says, verse 11. And you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his children. Now, this is interesting. This idea of charging, of charging, to charge is to be, you have to be a witness of something. Let me read this to you. It means to be a witness, to bear witness, to affirm what one has seen or heard or experienced. It's to affirm that they have heard or experienced something or that he knows it because it's been taught by divine revelation or inspiration. So here's the way that I do it. The first thing is it's to give, not to keep back testimony. So here is the way that I charge. This is the way that I would charge Jacob. Jacob, I've seen this before. I know what God wants us to do with this. This is how we're supposed to answer that. I've done it before. I've done it before. And if I haven't done it before, I know what God's word has said about it. So the idea of charging, it is that I have the experience to do it. It's like a commander charging his troops. You would not want me to be the one sending the troops into battle. Because I've never been to battle. I don't have any... Okay, guys, here's what you do. The first thing that you do when you go in there, let me tell you what's going to happen when they come out after you. And somebody raises their hand and says, uh, uh, Mr. Alter, what was it like when you did it? Well, I don't know. I've never done it. That's not what you're looking for, is it? That is not what you're looking for. The idea of you have to have witnessed and experienced and know something to be able to charge them. So that means I've got to know God and know God's word and have experienced God's blessing on my life in order to be able to instruct my children on how to do that. Now it's starting to become a little different, isn't it? How about do as I say, not as I do? Right? We've all heard that. We've all heard it. It's not right. That one's going to come back to haunt me. So it's to give and not keep back testimony. It's to utter honorable testimony and to give a good report. It's to implore. If we are going to be good fathers, we must be able to motivate our children by testifying about what the Lord has done in our lives. Dad, what has the Lord done in your life? What has the Lord done in your life? If you don't have much of a testimony on that, you need to get to know God and then tell your children what you've learned. I charge you. So, I dream that my children will walk with the Lord. I fear 
that because of my walk or the walk of other Christians, they'll get discouraged. I pledge that I'm going to walk a life of integrity and holiness and justice in the home. And then I plan to exhort and to comfort and to charge. God has given us the formula. Dads, let's do it. Amen? Now, remember about that godly sorrow. Here's the idea. I am going to look at what has been modeled for me as a dad that is wrong, and I'm not going to do that. I'm going to look at what I have done as a dad and repent if it's not right, and then I'm going to change the way that I think about it and begin being the godly father. We can all do that. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word. It is so good. It is so helpful. It is so powerful.